Hello and welcome to a new episode of Liftoff, a Jets football podcast with your host, Chris, and from playlikeajet.com, Mr. Sharman Phillip. And remember, you can catch us wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio. And you could also catch us on Sportswire Radio at sportsinarium.com backslash player. And you can follow the station manager there for all the schedules uh, at Thomas Bryce 2017. So, Charmin, what's going on, man? What do we got going this week? Another week and another guest, man. One of our, another one of our favorites, Mr. James Wighouse, BSB Breakdowns, the man himself. What's up, James? What's going on? What's going on, guys? I appreciate you having me on. Going on, man. Thanks for coming back after a long uh, while. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's been a while since we last connected. Uh, the first time around, I did did the podcast. I had a ton of fun. So once uh, once Sharma reached out, I was like, "Yeah, no, absolutely. Whenever they want, I'm in." <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we love your we love your stuff, man. We love we like to follow your stuff. We know you do your homework. That's a one number one. That's one of the reasons why we like talking to you because you always bring the juice. Uh, <laughs> so so yeah, yeah. so yeah, we we got to start from the beginning, right? Uh, as Jets fans. Um, this season was something else, man. Another brand new beginning, but uh, it was a beginning that I guess we hadn't had in a while. I mean, we hadn't torn every, any, everything down to the studs before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what What was your take on the, the approach, uh, the um, the hiring of uh, Robert Sala and his coaching staff? Um, give us uh, your feelings about Robert himself and his and some of his guys what did you what did you think initially yeah so i mean initially obviously you know we we all loved that we gravitated towards the hire of sala because um you know his mentality but i think really the biggest thing when it comes to sala is that that player relationship right um you know obviously the all gas no break meant you know that whole mantra that you know that's an off-season thing where everyone gets excited to hear because of what we came from, right? We, you got to go back to that Adam Gase era where there was just no juice. There was nothing going on. Um, and so yeah. we needed that guy that was going to come in and kind of revitalize, put some energy into the, you know, into the locker room, into the stadium, et cetera. And so we gravitate, gravitated toward Robert Sala. He was saying all the right things. Um, and ultimately, like I, I go back to, you know, his comment, uh, Richard Sherman's comments, uh, that he made when the Jets hired Robert Sala that, you know, this is a guy, you know, they love this guy. The players love this guy. He, he treats us like human, like he treats us like grown men, right? Not just, you know, some, you know, some kids that, that are playing some game. He understands that this is their profession. This is their career, um, you know, et cetera, all those things. So that, that was, that was fantastic. And then you get the Mike LaFleur, uh, you know, the Mike LaFleur from, from San Francisco. So we're like, all right, it's going to be the Shanahan offense, et cetera. We're all excited about it. Season starts. Now, disclaimer on that, I, I, there were a lot of injuries, right? And I don't mean to bring up like bad memories and stuff right now, but, um, you know, a Carl Lawson never played a snap. A Vinnie Curry never played a snap. LaMarcus Joyner never played a snap. Corey Davis was in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, you look at Marcus May tearing his Achilles. Um, you know, just a, a whole bunch of different factors. Jared Davis didn't start until week seven or eight. Um, and so there was so much going on injury-wise that this thing was really, really, really bare once they started the year. Um, and then 
I'm going to be a little bit harsher um, than I was in the in, in, in last offseason because we did. Sharma, you alluded to it. We we broke this thing down bare bones and we haven't done that really. You know, it was always these free agency fixes, spend the money, try to quick fix type of deal. And it never really worked out. So, you know, we were banking on, you know, the youngest roster in the league. You know, the Jets had the second most snaps. Uh, by rookies of any team in the entire NFL, uh, you know, this year it was over 4,000 snaps by, by rookie players, which is a, a kind of an incredible number there. Um, and it just didn't start off very well. Um, you know, the wins, it was only four wins throughout the year. Right. Um, so it's not like the wins came, uh, but the frustration for me was early on where it just didn't seem like they were competitive. Right. I mean, the, the, we all the 54 points to, to New England, the, um, you know, the, the, the four interception game by by Zach Wilson. Now, the defense was competitive in that first Patriots game, but ultimately just too much to handle with the inter, uh, with the you know, ineptitude on the offensive side. There was never really any gelling the whole team coming together to play the same game at the same time, you know, offense complementing the defense, et cetera, uh, special teams, you know, everything got going, um, which was really a positive because I, it, we were questioning whether or not the right, this, you go on Twitter after a loss and it's like, all right, well, we're going to give up a, a, on this regime after one year. And so obviously that brings along um, a lot of question marks, but overall for me, um, I like Robert Sala. Um, I think he says all the right things. I think he does all the right things. The players enjoy playing for him. He did bring that energy. You know, you look at the Cincinnati game when, you know, he's fired up on the sidelines. He brings that energy. The guys want to play for him. That's the most important piece right there. Uh, Mike LaFleur, Booth LaFleur, right? All of a sudden he turned into this, <laughs> this guy who is making his own mark, right? He, it, it, by, when I say making his own mark, um, he started to incorporate some things that were his own, the base offense that, you know, the wide zone scheme, et cetera, the play action in the, in the passing game, that all comes from, you know, a, a, a tree, a system. Uh, but you started to see him put his own flavor into it, which was really positive. Um, and then we're going to, I'm going to cut off here because, but the defense for me is where I have, um, a lot of issues. So, um, that to me, it never got going. It was never there. Um, and, and that'll be my biggest qualm of this whole thing with the Jets season and the Jets offseason is trying to get that defense going uh, in the right direction. Yeah, um, most definitely that offense never really got going because there were so many things that just got in the way. Not only the fact that the rookie and that was his first time playing pro football. And he was like all over the place. He couldn't get, uh, couldn't uh, plant his flag, basically. Um, there was there, there was that. And like you said, a, a plethora of uh, injuries. Um, I think that, I think as much as the injuries hurt the offense, also hurt the defense, like you alluded to before, the defense was probably the most disappointing thing. Two things bothered me the most, like you said before. Um, there was absolutely no adjustment to to uh, kind of uh, take the pressure off, let's say, the linebacking crew because the defensive line was asked to rush upfield, uh, creating these, you know, these lanes that where linebackers were supposed to get to and the linebacking crew was not 
they couldn't perform on that level, not only because they were there was a there were so many injuries. And like you said, Davis didn't start those kids. There were two kids playing, one playing Mike, one playing Will, that were basically doing it for the first time. You were asking way too much of them, and then they got injured. And then you have backups playing, and then yes, Quincy Williams Williams came comes in, and we kind of got get a little bit of a a stars born story going on a little bit. But there was, you know, there's a kind of shaky part to that, and like you said before again even on to the to the you know the back of the back end of this defense no safety that started the season playing lasted till what the third game or the fourth game that i mean they had nothing going for them and and we kept and i remember on twitter having conversations with guys like you and andrew and and we've kept thinking that they were gonna like take it easy and probably have a little bit more read and react up front so that they kind of protect the linebackers. And that never happened. It was like, we're playing this scheme and we're going to do it till the wheels fall off. And I felt like he, you know, he was like letting his, his, he was getting his, letting his defense get beat up. What, what did you feel? Did you feel like I did? Yeah. Oh yeah. For, for sure. So you know, the scheme, right? You, you look at, um, you know, the, 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 the cover three, the, the zone heavy, the bend don't break the let's get pressure with the front four. That means mathematically wise, right? That means we have seven guys dropping in, in some form of zone coverage or some man coverage, or we're doing some kind of blitz, whatever it's going to be. But, you know, we're, we're, the main goal is to get that pressure by the front four. This way we can we can sit in those zones, right? That's why people keep saying, well, corner is not that important because, you know, they're just, they're just going to be, you know, in the zone. If we could get pressure, that makes the back end better. And that's, that's all, that's all true. Uh, got it understood, but really at each level of the defense was disappointing. Now, again, we mentioned the Carl Lawson thing. He would have provided a lot um, in my opinion, anyway, pressure wise, but again, you didn't have Carl Lawson. So something needed to, in some form or fashion, change um and so the front four they were not other than really i mean if memory serves me correctly the only really performance that we saw from that front four that you're like oh my god all right this it, you know this is okay it, the titans game they sacked ryan Tannehill seven times and we just yeah. never saw anything completely close to it what felt like we were see, seeing more so from that front four um you look at the colts game where the Colt, I mean, the Colts and Sharman, you alluded to it with the linebackers, you know, and, you know, the, the offensive line, they were just able to get to the second level. That yep. makes it extremely difficult for the linebackers because they're basically, you know, they're not able to fill the hole there for the, um, you know, in the run game, because what's happening is the counter to the aggressive front four is, you know, the traps and the counters in the run game. This way, all of a sudden, you know, you're not, like you said, reading, recognizing, getting your keys in order. Um, you're just rushing up the field, not knowing what's going on in the play. Before you know it, you pick your head up and the running back is seven yards down the field and the offensive line is at the second level already. I mean, that, that Colts game, that run defense performance was one of the worst. I mean, usually at least we hang our hat on the run defense for, you know, for Jeff fans, even when we stink. Um, but that there was, was an awful performance. So you look at that, the pass rush wasn't there. 
Um, the run defense was not great. It was, it, in my opinion, it was um, one of the weaker parts altogether. Uh, but then you look at the second level. Okay, you have CJ Mosley. He's not going to be a Jet forever. Um, that's just the fact of the matter. Um, I love having CJ. I think he's a very good player. Um, you know, he didn't, you know, he put up the tackling numbers, et cetera. Um, you know, didn't really have, you know, the interceptions or, or kind of the pass coverage, um, you know, that he, he kind of had in the past. Uh, but he's at least, he was at least a staple at that linebacker spot that we we're able to kind of hang our hat on for someone that was going to be able to line up everybody and at least get guys in position that they needed to be in. But then, you know, Quincy Williams, he, he had some performances where like, all right, well, for a guy that we basically picked up off of waivers, um, he did a, a decent job. But the problem with the linebackers there, in my opinion, was how many times did we did we watch a jet game this year where we're yelling at the television because it's a screen pass and it doesn't look like oh anyone on the God. field. It doesn't look like anyone on the field even cares to recognize, you know, that that's, that's part of the, the read, the part of the read and recognize is everyone has keys on the field, right? You know, if yes, you're sir. a line, if you're a linebacker, you know, you look at that end man on the line of scrimmage or, you know, that the tackle, whatever it is, if he's down blocking, chances are, you know, I know there's all RPOs and stuff that screw up, you know, that whole, um, you know, recognition ability, but if someone is releasing out, if linemen are trying to get downfield, you know, that's your, that's your indication that, Hey, I probably shouldn't just keep dropping in my zone. I should probably go up and try to make, you know, try to make a play, you know, whether that's a tackle or whether that's just taking on a blocker um, to try to force the running back to get into some kind of other, you know, direction or some kind of other lane, you know, you, you kind of, uh, you push them to your friends, uh, you know, into the middle of the field, don't let them get to the outside, et cetera, things, things of that nature. Right. So the linebacker core, you know, we need some players um, at, at that spot that are able to diagnose plays, right. Diagnose yes, when they're happening or diagnose, Hey, listen, some of these guys are so smart. They know what's coming before, you know, you look at a guy and I know we'll talk about the draft, but a guy like Nicobe Dean at Georgia, he just looks like he knows he knows what's going on before anything happens. That's the kind of linebacker that you're looking for. And then when he knows it, he's a heat seeking missile. Like Salah always talks about speed, speed, speed. Speed doesn't mean just what you're running in the 40 at the combine this week. The speed is, hey, how fast do I recognize the play? How fast can I diagnose it? And then the quicker I diagnose it, the quicker I'm going to get there. And so that that aspect of the defense needs to change. And then on the back end, um, we need two new safeties. Let's be, let's be completely honest. We need two honest. new safeties, um, two new safeties. Um, I really like Bryce Hall. Um, I have him as the cornerback too, but I, I don't know if you guys have, you guys have noticed on my Twitter, I am a huge proponent of going corner, um, in this first round, uh, for the jets. I believe, listen, let me put this in perspective what do you need on defense, right? Just an overall, you need someone, you need guys that can make impact plays. And when I say impact yes, plays, I mean, when it's third down and we need that stop, who's going to make it right. When we are, you know, when we're in the position where we're like, all right, we need a turnover here. We need to get the offense, the ball back. Who's going to, who's going to cause a turnover. In my opinion, there wasn't anybody in the secondary this year um, mm. because the cornerback room, the entire cornerback room in 17 games had two interceptions and they, uh, one of them came on Tom Brady and the other one came on to a, to a tag of the pick six from, from Brandon Eccles. Um, right. You know, so we're not getting the turnovers from the secondary, but we had seven picks overall. Right. And two, two of them were by defensive linemen. Um, so we had five, five picks, none by linebackers. 
um, and then three by safeties and then two by cornerbacks. That was it. Um, and then our third down, our, our allowance of third down conversions on defense was, I believe, either 27th or 28th in the league. So we're not getting off the field on defense. So um, in my opinion, things like that need to change. And there are certain players that we can bring along that can help that. But that was my biggest, my biggest problem this year was, hey, listen, I know the offense didn't give them a whole lot of help. And there were games where we're like, all right, well, eventually they are going to break, even if they're playing well. But there wasn't the, hey, when we need to play, who's going to make it? I didn't know who that player was going to be. Um, and that, to me, really, really needs to change um, when they look at this offseason on defense. Yeah, um, everything you say, man, it, it's so true. Uh, the, the, the screen game, the, what you brought, brought up just hurt when you said it, man, because I, yeah. I just got a few flashbacks where I was like, like you said, standing up in the middle of my room because I can't watch Jet games sitting down. Uh, so yeah, right. um, yeah, so I'm sitting there. I'm like, how? What are you doing? You know, right. um, <laughs> you know. So it was pretty infuriating a lot when you knew teams were taking advantage of the fact that the that the Jets up front were being ultra um, aggressive. And they 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 would take and then the linebacker. Imagine you're a linebacker and you know that your front four is going to be ultra aggressive, meaning that teams teams are literally telling you that they're going to suck you in and then play you play 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 off that. So screen game and 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 like you said, counter game and all that stuff. And nobody was able to adjust enough and. You, you mentioned Quincy, I mentioned Quincy Williams earlier, and you saw there was a few plays where he did that. Unfortunately, as many plays as he had where he blew up plays, he had a lot of plays where he either took the wrong angle or he was way too aggressive. So it was like, oh, my God, like, you know, we, what are we doing? There's no consistent um, player that played to the level that we were thinking. And and yes, you know, I um, a lot of blame fell on on our defensive coordinator, um, Robert um, um, Albrick. Um, and at some point, everybody was like, "Yeah, we gotta fire him." I mean, he's not doing his job. And uh, we had Andrew on last week, and Andrew said that this, this, in his opinion, from his research, every time Robert Sala played this scheme, he had the offense to go with it. So it's a marriage between the offense and the defense that if the offense played to its the level it's supposed to put in a point, then that aggressive would pay dividends because then what, that aggression would pay dividends because guess what? Then you mean you had teams trying to catch up with you. So you so that aggression, you know, teams trying to drop back, trying to throw the ball more and trying to attack more, then that gives front the front four more opportunities at sacking a quarterback and having turnovers. What do you think of that? Yeah, no, I, listen, a Andrew's right. Because at the end of the day, right. If you, if this bend, right. I always go back to the bend don't break. Cause that's what I felt like it was. And, and you guys can correct me. You know, if, if you think different, it, it felt like a bend don't break. We're just going to sit back in the zone. You know, we'll give up some first downs, but then we'll tighten up near the red zone, et cetera. Mm. Um, you know, and that, that's kind of what it felt. That's what it felt like. And if you're going to play that kind of defense with the kind of personnel that you have, 
you have to be able to put up some points to say, okay, well, if we do have a game where we let up a ton of points, then we have the offense to match it. Right. And especially the run game. Now the run game, it got better um, as the year went on because the offensive line got better as the year went on. Um, but you look at those San Francisco teams, it's okay. We're running the football, those Seattle teams that, that Sala was a part of that, you know, had, had the defense, obviously that kind of scheme. Now, obviously the personnel was wildly different than what we had last year from those <laughs> Seattle teams. Uh, but, you know, you look at, uh, you know, Marshall, when Marshawn Lynch was there, that offense went and, and Russell Wilson always made good decisions and, um, you know, things of that nature. So they had, they did have the offenses and whatever we think about Jimmy Garoppolo in those San Francisco days, um, you know, uh, when, when Sala was there, they had that run game was lead. I mean, against green Bay, that one, um, hmm. you know, NFC, uh, champ, NFC championship, would, uh, I can't remember which one it was or divisional round they ran for, I mean, yard, it, it was yeah. over 300 yards or something like yep. that. I mean, he yeah. threw the ball that one playoff run, I think he threw it like 20 times the entire playoffs before they got to the Super Bowl. So, you know, you need that marriage. It, it, Andrew's absolutely right when you say that because when he says that because um, you gotta you gotta complement each other. This is a three phase game, right? This is a special teams game. Um, you know, you, special teams. I, I love giving the special teams the the love they deserve because we just watched in the playoffs the special teams be the difference between a playoff game where Aaron Rodgers was at home in Lambeau field after a bye week. Like that was legitimately the 49ers did not score an offensive touchdown and they walked out alive against the green Bay Packers. <laughs> um, and so, right. The special teams matters, the field position, right? How many times have we watched this year where it's, it feels like the drive was over before it got started because we had yeah. the penalty on the kickoff. We had, you know, it backed us up to the 10 yard line, the 15 yard lines. Like, all right, well, we're backed up on our own zone. If you're like that, you know, that's when the defense needs to step up. But if the defense is always having to step up at some point, it's going to break. That's the, you know, that's kind of the, the, the key there. So there is a marriage and, and, and kind of one point I just want to also go, go back to, I don't want to not mention this here is scheme wise on defense. How, how much more like, and this is, maybe this is my opinion too. I, I mean, everyone's got their, their thoughts there, but how many times on third down did it feel like we just played straight up man coverage? Uh, oh. Like oh. it felt uh, right. Almost. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that I'm I, the bad memories are in my head, but it felt like every time I'm like, all right, we're playing Buffalo and we have Brandon Eccles in the red zone on third down matched up against Stefan Diggs. And they're just continuously going to Stefan Diggs. And it's like, all right, well, we going to do something here because cover, every, everyone's mean, go ahead. Cover Sorry. three. You mean cover, cover three man playing like constantly on, on, on third down that that's what you mean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, a cover, a cover one, uh, I mean, cover, right. Cover, right. Yeah. A, a uh, cover one where you're, where you got one high safety, you know, maybe uh, they'll do some kind of blitz package and then, you know, it's, 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 it's man coverage across the board. And, I, I even remember the one against uh, the one against Philly um, where it was third and 16 or third and 19. And it was, you know, Jason Pinnock up again in the oh. slot on, on third down and he fell and they, they, so like, it, 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 you know, maybe he would have been in position, whatever, but like you subject yourself on those long third downs to just play. You don't have to play prevent. It's not Madden. You don't have to do that, but at least play a cover four 
or you know play a cover yeah. two where a, a Tampa two where you're gonna you know drop CJ Mosley down the middle uh, you know into yeah. the seam and then you have the two high safeties like it just felt like for a scheme that everyone's telling me cornerback isn't all that important that on the most huh. important that on the most important down in the entire drive we have man coverage essentially across the board except your one high safety um, and. With the personnel, you know, Bryce Hall played well. He had the the pass defense. You know, he was up there at the top of the league in that regard. No turnovers or no interceptions for him. But, you know, some other guys on the field, they, they just couldn't handle it. And it felt like, why are we not giving those guys help in that situation? And so if that scheme is going to continue, that's kind of where, you know, they need to bring in somebody who has the ability to make plays on third down if you're going to be in man coverage that much. Yeah, man. Listen, I, I, everything you're saying is so true. Um, but got to move on a little bit here. Um, Zach Wilson, yep. thoughts. What did you think? I mean, were you uh were you aboard aboard the train before the draft, or did you jump on because he became a Jet? And and what did you think of him, um, growing up during this season? Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I was, I was on the train uh, before the draft. I, I put out an article on Jets X Factor. I was kind of deciding between him and him and Fields, and obviously Lance and those guys. I chose Zach, um, so he was my guy. It started off pretty rough. Um, he looked, you know, obviously a little bit in um, over his head, which is normal in, in my opinion at the start of that. Uh, you look at the defenses he played to start the year: the the Carolina, the New England, the Denver, um, and those kind of really. It, it, it stained him a little bit in that beginning in terms of his confidence. And you saw him missing the short passes, which we did not often see from him at all. He has the accuracy. So it was, um, it was interesting the way he was missing those, uh, missing those throws. The footwork was a little bit off, but ultimately he was kind of, uh, you know, he was sensing some pressure when it really wasn't there. Um, and his overall confidence was, it, it, it was not great, but then you see the flash plays, the Tennessee game, et cetera. Uh, you see the arm talent, you see the ability. And then all of a sudden the confidence came towards the end of the year where he played, you know, those games against Tampa Bay after his injury, when he came back, he looked way more comfortable. He settled in, uh, he was playing fast, but his mind was moving slower is essentially mm. how I would categorize it. So I was really impressed with how the season ended. Um, and with some with some offseason help here, I think he will take take that next step, uh, that next step next year. So now Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, uh, well, talking about Wilson and talking about the offense going forward um, with with free agency coming up. Do you see them going after the top options at, say, tight end and wide receiver to help him out? Or do you think they're going to wait for the draft? Uh, so tight end wise, I would do both. Um, I, I do see them doing both. I do see them if Dalton Schultz is going to hit the market, right. And Dallas doesn't franchise tag him. I do see them going after him because of the receiving game threat, but also the, the blocking ability, uh, that he has in the run game, which, you know, was really not, um, you know, there for, for the jets at the tight end position, it needs a complete overhaul. So I would go if they can. Uh, grab Dolan Schultz in free agency um, and also 
pick a tight end um, in the draft with a relatively high pick there. I think there are some, some players there, you know, Trey McBride, Jeremy Rucker, you know, guys like that, that can add to this offense. So I do see them tight end wise taking this pretty heavily. I think we need a new, completely new tight end room. Uh, the guys that Douglas brought in last year just did not get the job done. Um, and we saw how important it is to the scheme and what Michael Floor wants to do. So I see them going heavy there um, in free agency and the draft. And then wide receiver is interesting because it feels like the top notch guys in free agency are dealing with injuries. Uh, mm. Chris Godwin just tore his ACL, uh, you know, near the end of the season uh, or middle of the season. And then, uh, you know, Michael Gallup, who I really like from the Cowboys, he tore his ACL towards the end of the year. You know, uh, does he hit the market? So it, it, it depends for free agency wide receiver wise for me, that big fish, right? That big name. Do they, do they take the injury risk? Um, and that's the way they address the wide receiver position. Um, or is it the trade market? Do they go out, you know, we're all over this, you know, potentially Calvin Ridley type of thing uh, where, you know, we go out and we trade a premium asset for a veteran wide receiver like the Bills did with Stefan Diggs uh, to try to get someone in there for Zach that doesn't, it isn't a rookie um, that doesn't need to essentially learn the position right away, uh, you know, right off the bat and, and kind of have that cold streak in the beginning to where uh, he needs time to time to develop. Um, or listen, if the wide receiver position in the draft is your flavor. Um, there may not be a clear cut number one. Um, you know, if you want your route runner, uh, your precision, you know, route runner, uh, that's Garrett Wilson to me. Um, Wilson. If, you, yep. if you, if you want your Brandon Marshall, you want your, your center on the basketball court, uh, that also could do, you know, he's more than that, but you know, hit the six foot five, 210 pound, you know, uh, red zone threat, you know, deep ball threat. Um, that's your Drake London. Uh, you know, if you want your, your versatile, um, you know, kind of a, 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 a physical freak. Um, and we'll see that at the combine this week, you know, your trailing Burks where you can give them, you know, the jet sweeps, et cetera, you know, is that your flavor or, you know, um, you know, I wish I could be talking about Jamison Williams right now, but I don't know what, if he's in the cards for us, given uh, what happened. If, uh, yeah. If, if yeah. he didn't get, if he didn't get injured, that would have been my, my number one guy. Uh, but yeah. So if wide receiver is your flavor. I think it's interesting to, to kind of wait and see what they do in free agency because of what is potentially going to be available to them in the draft at number 10. And also, uh, you know, beyond that depth wise. What about defense? Um, there's some interesting names that are coming up on um, at safety. Um, our our friend uh, David Upton uh, had a um, had a, a, a tweet a tweet like, actually this morning I saw him put up. He had a couple of guys on there where I I'm still you know so, especially when you look at the stats at safety. Um, I mean you know the names uh, the kid from from the Bengals. Um, that everybody's like, that's who we should go. I don't think the Bengals are going to let him go. Um, do you think, what do you think? We, you, we go safety, right? Uh, free agent, free agency. Yeah, ab absolutely. Uh, Jesse Bates from the Bengals. Yes, uh, he, yes, did, he, just turned, he just turned 25, I think like last week or something like that. Um, crazy. So yeah, which is, which is insane. Uh, you know, he, we need that, the ball hawk, right? The guy who can play the center field position because if that's, you know, uh, whether it's a, a cover two, cover four, a cover one, someone that could be the ball hawk that can, um, you know, play that middle of the field, but also play, 
you know, a deep half, et cetera. They need that guy who's going to cause the turnovers. Jesse Bates is one of them. My favorite is Marcus Williams from the Saints. Um, he's going to be 26 when the season starts. Uh, so he is young and he's going to go into his sixth year. Um, so that's that's kind of a, an oddity there where he's a veteran, but you don't worry about his age, uh, you know, contract wise, because he's still so young um, and very weird. But he also came in. Uh, I think he was picked just a few picks after we picked Marcus William, Marcus May in the same draft. Um, and so they were both second round players in the same draft. We chose Marcus May over Marcus Williams. Um, and Marcus Williams has enjoyed quite the career, uh, 15 interceptions over, over the course of his career there. He gets his hands on the football. He's always available. He's not, he, you know, hasn't missed many games there and the age factor. So I would go big spend on, on Marcus Williams to get that free, uh, that free safety short up. And then I think there are, you know, uh, some really good options in the draft uh, to get your, your strong safety, someone who you can drop down in the box, um, you know, if you're going to go with that cover one or that blitz um, to where you're going to have one high safety um, and you could potentially have that bigger box safety that can uh, that can play up towards the line of scrimmage. Well, we uh, what do you what do you think of Chris? One second, Chris, one second. I got to get that question out. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what do you think of Jaron Curse? Yeah, so Jerry flying under the radar a little bit, right? Um, he yeah. had he had a great year for for the Cowboys. He would be, um, you know, that I don't I don't know if I'd say maybe long term option. I think he might be a little bit older. Um, I'm not sure exactly of his age, but yeah, he would 28. be. 28, right? So you're looking at if you're going to give someone a four, I don't know if you give that a guy like that a four year contract to where he's going to be 32 when it ends. Um, right. But you're looking at someone who, um, you know, not a, a good player, but he's going to be that level below where if you don't get the Marcus Williams, all right, then mm. you need to add pieces or the Jesse Bates. We need to add pieces. We need to supplement this position. Uh, he's going to be the veteran. Um, obviously, he had a good year for the Cowboys. Um, and, you know, someone that I'd be interested in if we can't land that big fish, because I, I, I do think it's time to go big game uh, hunting a little bit uh, for this roster. I love that. Yeah, I, I was just going to say with the safety, uh, the safety position in, in the draft, you know, the, it seems like it's a pretty deep, uh, not deep, but it's there's definitely a, t a few guys up top that are worth drafting. One of the guys uh, Andrew brought up uh, talking to us last week was Jalen Petrie from uh, uh, Baylor. Yep. Well, what are your thoughts on him? I, I, I'm a huge Jalen Petrie fan. So, I, and these are stats off the top of my head, but I've looked at them so many times that I just kind of remember them now. Um, <laughs> he, he is... Um, He's not an older player, but I, th I believe he's a fifth year senior. So he's and background. I, I, I really like watching Baylor's defense. Uh, their head coach has kind of revitalized that entire program. Um, they're a defense that I consider to be extremely sound. Right. And by extremely sound, everyone's responsible. They understand their job. They understand their responsibilities. Um, and they they're kind of that suffocating, almost like I kind of liken them. And I, I don't I'm not saying really scheme wise, but to the Buffalo Bills to where Buffalo. Yeah, they have some really good players over there on defense, but they play as a unit. Right. They come together. They play as a unit. 
that's the kind of, you know, the Jets need to bring in guys that are going to, you know, obviously, you know, we want the playmaking ability, but we want guys to be able to write, read, recognize, diagnose, but also understand your responsibility, understand your job, play within your one eleventh uh, that you're responsible for. And Jalen Pitchery is a guy who he's never out of position. Um, he can play toward, you know, he, he, he is um, that not, I don't want to say he is a box safety. He can play down, right? Because you look at, he had 17 and a half tackles for loss at, uh, hmm. at Baylor just last year. Um, but he also crazy. had, he also had the interceptions that go along with it. So you can play him on the back end. Um, he's flying under the radar to the point because he's not like a physical specimen. He's not Daxton Hill from Michigan where he's going to, he's going to blow up the combine this week. Um, you know, he's not six foot four, like Kyle Hamilton. Um, you know, he's not, you know, the big time hitter, like a, a Jaquan Brixter from Penn state. He's just a guy that does his job and he does it really well. And that's the kind of thing I like. If we can get a guy like that in the third round, which I think mm. it's possible that he's in there. I mean, Der- Daniel Jeremiah may have bursted that bubble because he just came out with his new top 50 yesterday of draft prospects. And Jalen Pitry actually, I believe he cracked that top 50 yesterday for uh, the first it's time. So it's over. Yeah, it's um, pick, right? It's over. <laughs> yeah, now he's the second round. Right. Now we get yeah. now we have to take him with 38 or something like yeah. that. Now. But uh, but uh, but yeah, a guy like that to me is is super interesting. I've seen Andrew talk about him quite a bit on Twitter, and then I kind of took a look and um, I just think he's a he's a football player. That's the kind of guys that you need to bring in here. Um, so I really like the prospect. Uh, but yeah, Jalen Pitchery, um, you know, he may be one of those guys that we can get maybe, maybe in the third, I don't know, maybe the third round, just because teams aren't impressed with him, you know, physically, uh, he's not like an imposing, uh, you know, player there. So maybe that's an option there uh, to where, you know, there is some depth for sure um, in this class and it wouldn't require us to spend, you know, the fourth overall pick on, you know, a safety. That you know what's crazy? Um, talking about just just the the makeup of players, um, there was a little bit of a kind of a um, a kind of a leak out of you know that there weren't that many leaks out of that Jets front office. But one of the things you kind of saw with the with the picks last year was that they there's there's certain things or characteristics of the players that they drafted you know, leaders and, and, uh, and uh, character-wise were like um, upstanding citizens, basically, um, upfront guys. Um, talk to me about some of the guys that you've watched in the draft that you see um, in the positions of need for the Jets that kind of uh, stand out in that way for you. Yeah, um, well, you're giving me, you're opening the door for me to talk about my favorite prospect in the entire draft. Um, yes, I am. <laughs> and that's uh you know that's that's Ahmad Gardner for me um you yes, know sir. he he's a guy you know three years at at Cincinnati um always healthy always there always available um and right you talk about the the character traits off the field um but also when you turn on the tape for for Ahmad Gardner um you know we all everyone knows him by sauce but sometimes it's a little awkward to say uh you know so but you you, t- you turn on the tape for him and he oozes the like if, if you were to put a poster up that had all gas no break at the top he's probably going to be the poster child for it um he's 100 
miles per hour every single play. He's hyped up every single play. He's running around the field when his teammates make a play. He fits that room, you know, not just, um, you know, traits wise, but, you know, mentality, um, how he plays always a hundred miles per hour. Um, and then listen, uh, you know, at, at the cornerback spot, he's a guy, he's going to lock it down. That's just who he is. He's long. He's going to be, you know, I'm curious to see what he measures in at, but you know, all signs point to, you know, six, three, 200 pounds. He's long, he's lengthy. Um, he's got the arm length, uh, in the press coverage. He's got really fluid movements, uh, of his hips, uh, so when he has to turn in the man coverage, he's there, he's got the ball skills um, and he can come up and hit. He's not afraid to put, to, to get nasty in the, in the run game. And they also blitzed him uh, kind of a decent amount, which is a little, was a little bit surprising to me. He had like two sat two and a half sacks, uh, which, you know, we're not picking him to be the edge rusher or anything, but <laughs> it's just an, ad, it's just an added aspect of, of his game. Um, and uh, you know, that's my, that's my number one guy. If I could take him, you know, at 10, I would, I don't know if he's going to be, you know, if he's going to be there, um, you know, at 10, uh, but he's, he's one of the, the main guys. Now I think, you know, and kind of what my mind flows to when you talk about that is, you know, and I'm curious to get your guys thoughts on, you know, the cave on Thibodeau type of deal, right. Um, yes. Is, you know, what we, we, I don't know him personally. I, probably most likely never will. Um, I've never talked to him before, nothing, but, you know, the online, you know, experts are telling us that he has effort issues and, you know, you see him talking about X, Y, and Z, you know, he talked about Alabama and their education and, you know, et cetera. Um, you know, so I, I'm sure he's a great guy, but, you know, people are questioning that aspect of him. And so it's a matter of, Hey, when they look at this guy on film, he's got the traits, I mean, I would make, if he's there at four, I think you run up the card. Um, but I'm kind of curious what you guys think, you know, if you guys have looked at him at all in terms of, Hey, does he fit that mold of what we're, 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 we're looking for off the field wise, um, it, you know, or, or also on the field wise, effort wise, if, if you guys have seen anything in terms of his um, effort, I mean, I've looked at some film and he's all over the place. So, um, you know, my opinion, I think is different than what we're seeing there, but, Obviously, certain draft analysts have the inside scoop on what certain teams are thinking. Um, and so I'd be curious if does a Joe does Joe Douglas pass on a guy like that because they see something in him, yes, athletically, but maybe not what they're looking for off the field wise or, or on the field effort. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm go ahead, Chris. Oh, no, I was going to say quickly. I, I mean, I think the kid is great. He's definitely worthy of, of the four pick. Here's, the, here's my thing. If, if we go after a top safety and free agency, I think at four, we got to address a different position, right? At least, I, at least that's the way I look at it. Or maybe even trade down and get some extra picks, maybe, maybe an extra second rounder, you know, something like that. So I think it depends on what we do in free agency. If, if we can't get one of those top safeties in free agency, like, like, we were talk, like you were talking about earlier, then yeah, I definitely think he's – he should be the, the four, not should be, but he should definitely be in play for that four pick. But if we sign like, you know, whoever, one of the top safeties, no, I, I don't think so. I think there you got to think, okay, maybe edge rusher, if they want to go the tackle, you know, the tackle position, or if you could trade yeah. down and get an extra second round. Pick. Chris, 
That's my opinion. Chris, yeah, I, I think you're a little bit mistaken. And he was talking about Thibodeau, the edge rusher from Oregon. Oh, I thought um, you were talking about Hamilton. Oh, I'm sorry. No, yeah. No, oh, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I got caught up. Um, Yeah, no, I I think it. Uh, just real quick, I, I think it's going to come down to the, the interview process with him because how else are you going to judge him, right? I mean, on the field, he's probably going to test great at the combine, right? He's probably going to, he's yeah. a physical freak. So he's, so that's all going to, that those boxes are going to check, you know? So forget about that part. It's going to be, I think, talking to him and what they're going to, what they get out of him when, when they talk to him, because that's all you could go by really. The <clears throat> craziest thing about this is that almost every year, these, these, you know, you know, these leaks coming from supposed NFL front office is saying, <laughs> Well, we don't really like this guy because, you know, he doesn't have the, I mean, every year, every single year is a guy, there's, there's this, and, and almost every time those news kind of fall apart, that, that news kind of fall apart after a while. And nobody really talks about the fact that somebody in the off season was talking crap about the guy because the guy goes on to be, become whatever he, 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 end, he ends up becoming, um, the, to me, that's the two, the most, the two interesting, um, one of the, the, one of the two interesting prospects for me and the way people view them or how they talk about them is Kevon Thibodeau and Kyle Hamilton. Right. People, I, I've been hearing for a long time how Kyle Hamilton is a unicorn type safety. Now, I went and did my research. There is not a lot of guys that are tall like him and weigh what he weighs that plays safety in the NFL right. and move like him. No, it's a rare thing. Uh, we've, we've, we were blessed to watch the, um, the Seattle, Seattle had a guy that kind well, you know, he's a little different than Kyle because Kyle is a, is a, I mean, holy crap. He, the range is ridiculous. How, how he, where he, from, from where he could go, to wherever he could go get the ball, it's incredible. And I understand Kayvon Thibodeau is not, you know, mention Chase Young or whoever else you're going to mention. But excuse me, if you didn't, if I didn't watch him play in Oregon, are you telling me my eyes were deceiving me? I, I don't get it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I really don't get it. Please address this for us, man. Both of those guys. I mean, what, what's your take on those? Why are all of a sudden people, you know, kind of iffy on those guys? Well, you, you hit it on the head. It, it, there's that one guy every year that they pick on, right? And let's flash back legitimately to last year. Um, Micah Parsons, that he fell until <laughs> whatever, a 10 or 11, whatever he was. I mean, you're going to tell me that that guy should have been, you know, one, and I know the quarterbacks were kind of, uh, you know, the first three picks or whatever, but um, that guy, you know, you had concerns about him off the field. So you get, you let a guy like that, you know, fall, um, you know, and, and fall is probably the correct word, even though he just went 10th overall, 11th overall, um, you know, uh, 10th, 10th overall, um, because he, he was, he was, you know, it, it it showed what kind of football player he was and he showed it his rookie year in Dallas. He, I mean, he was up for defensive player of the year contention at one point in time. Um, it was a no brainer that he was going to win the defense, uh, the offense, uh, the defensive rookie of the year. Um, and so 
a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, all of a sudden it's all this flowing that, hey, he's not, uh, you know, off the field. He's not this. He doesn't, you know, put the effort in here, X, Y, and Z. I mean, listen, if he's there at four, Joe, Joe Douglas has to make the pick. You don't pass on a guy like that. You bring him into the room and you let the culture take over. You let Robert Sala take over. That's what they're there for. Um, and so Kayvon Thibodeau, yeah, I mean, for me, you make the pick. Uh, forget what everybody else is saying about him and, you know, bring him into the room. Uh, Kyle Hamilton's an interesting one because he is, in fact, extremely rare. And, and maybe you know, Cam Chancellor, size-wise, is probably uh, the closest thing. I mean, 6'4", 220 pounds uh, for a safety is really not what we normally see. I, you know, uh, I, I kind of – the closest comparison, I think, recently that I haven't seen anyone really make, but I'll do it right now, um, is Isaiah Simmons, uh, who was picked by the Cardinals a couple years back, like seventh overall out of Clemson. Oh, right where he was like this big, he was really, you know, he's probably about the same size as, you know, uh, Kyle Hamilton, but at Clemson, they used him in so many different ways that it was like, what's this guy going to be in the NFL? You know, you're You're going to have to have a creative defensive coordinator that puts him in the proper positions. He played linebacker. He played safety. Um, you know, he had that rangy interception against Justin Fields when they played Ohio state in the playoff that year. Um, and so I kind of look at Kyle Hamilton and a little bit different of a light in, in terms of he's a safety. Um, I think he played, I don't think we're dropping him really down to, to linebacker or doing anything. I mean, you could drop him to be in the slot to play man coverage or be on a tight end, et cetera. Um, and, you know, he can come down in the box, but I think he is your safety that you just move all over the place. He's your chess piece kind of. Um, and so my only question mark is right. I mean, positional value wise, um, yeah. you know, right. listen, whatever we think about Jamal Adams right now, when he was on the Jets, he was an all pro. Like, that's just a fact. He was on the all pro team as a New York Jet. And it, did not, that. it did not translate to wins. It did not help Sam Darnold in any way or fashion. Um, and so that's what you have to you have to kind of look at. I, I, you know, I think he's, you know, a, a great prospect. If they take him, I'm not going to be mad or anything like that. Uh, we're adding a, a, a premium talent to the position, uh, to the team. But for those guys, and, and I'll quickly just go into one more that I, I really like in terms of fitting this culture here, uh, and that's Zion Johnson from Boston College. Um, he's, a, he, he's, he's a guard, um, and he was the Senior Bowl practice player of the week. He was on the Jets uh, national team roster there. Um, and what he did at the Senior Bowl was practice ended, he stayed after our practice and he took reps on and snaps trying to play center, trying to learn the position to be versatile so that he can potentially play a center at the next level or stay a guard. He, to me, is strictly a guard or a center. He's that interior offensive lineman that we could potentially, I don't know, maybe he falls to 35 or maybe it's one of those situations where we trade back up into the first round and try to grab him so that we can take care of four and 10 playmaker wise. And then if we still need to add to that interior offensive line, that guy is someone who I think would fit perfectly within the culture, um, would work extremely hard, uh, you know, Boston College kid, and, um, and also extremely powerful. Um, he, if you, if you go on, he's got some, some plays up there online where, I mean, he just destroying folks in the, uh, in, in the run game. And, and he's, he's a really good, I think, underrated right now prospect in that interior offensive line where the jets can look if they don't fill that need some of some other some other way 
See, I, I, I think real quick, just going back to Thibodeau for a second. I think if, if they interview him and if they've done the, you know, the background check on him and they, you know, they talk to the coaches in, in Oregon and everything checks out. Okay. Yeah. He's a no doubt if he falls yeah. to four. Yeah. You're running up, like you said, to, to draft him. But what if they do a little bit of background and there is a little bit of question mark on his character, right? Yeah. Do you take the chance if you're if you're the Jets and like, you know what, we could bring him in and we'll coach him up. He'll be fine with us because the Jets at four, they can't gamble. Right. Mm -hmm. They can't gamble like that. It's got to be whoever you're taking at four is going to be a starter and is going to be major impact player coming in. He can't be a guy like, well, we took a chance. You know, he had a little bit of question marks and but, you know. So what's your thoughts in that way? Like, let's say if they interview him and there are a little bit of, you know, all these, whatever they're talking about, I don't even know what they're talking about, but what if <laughs> some of that does come up? Do you think they say, you know what, this kid is just too good, you know, he's got so much talent, we got to take him at four. Well, what's your thoughts that way? Yeah, so that, um, <clears throat> if, if they're like major red flag, uh, that would be the scenario I'd say, okay, then maybe you want to, you know, maybe you want to <laughs> move on. I think it needs to be somewhat of, a major red flag to wear, right? Because listen, these are 20, 21 year old kids. There, you know, there's going to be some, some of them who are, you know, um, you know, in the sense of, you know, they don't really do much, whatever. They're just all football, you know, and, you know, everything there, there'll be those guys. Uh, but sometimes, you know, there are players, they're just somewhat of immature, um, you know, people, I'm not saying that in, in, you know, in light of anyone specific, but just, you know, in 2021 year olds in general, you're going to get that, uh, you know, Hey, he just needs to work on some things, you know, but it's something that we can handle, right? If there's a major red flag where you're like, Hey, this guy potentially doesn't even love football. Uh, <laughs> then I think you run into a situation where you're like, all right, we got to pass on the talent. Um, we, and you, you hit on it, Chris, in terms of they can't go and gamble at four or 10, in my right, opinion. Right. And it's, it's a, it's a gamble no matter what, because nothing's guaranteed, but you know, you look at, you know, I'll throw another name out there, Derek Stingley, right. If they're looking to fill the cornerback yeah. position, is Derek Stingley too much of a risk to where, Hey, we saw it, but we saw it in 2019 and we haven't really seen it since, um, mm -hmm. you know, the talent, if he, if this was 2020 and he came out of that draft after his 2019 season, I think we're sitting here saying, you know, he may not even be available at four. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but ultimately it becomes injury. We didn't see him that all that much. The level of play wasn't the same as 2019 as when he got a chance to play the last couple of years. And so are we going to take the risk that all of a sudden we picked Derek Stingley Jr. and we picked the 2019 version of him? Or do we pick, you know, if we want the cornerback position, we go with the Mott Gardner because of the level of consistency. We know what we're getting. At least we can say if it didn't work out, we took the more consistent, more healthier, uh, you know, player in that regard. So it's all a gamble. But if there is a major, major red flag in the interview process with Kayvon, um, you know, you'd probably, and, and that's not really Kayvon specific. I think that's everyone specific. If you see a major red flag at that value of a pick, you're, you know, it's not just the, the, the pick that we're using. Uh, they're guaranteeing that guy in the top 10, a boatload of money. Um, and yeah. so financially it's an investment there as well. Um, 
So it, yeah, red flag. If there's a major red flag, I'd go with it. But if it's something that where they're like, hey, we've seen this before, we can wrangle this in. Um, and that is in fact Kayvon Thibodeau, I would uh I would bet on on uh on the talent and uh and take and take him at four. Now my question is, because we we're talking about edge, and edge is in my opinion has to be done. We have to get somebody to run with whoever we were going to get on the other side because we don't we can't um we can't guarantee what uh our um for some reason i can't get his name uh free kyle lawson we can't we can't guarantee what he's gonna be right after that injury um interesting player uh jermaine johnson yeah what's the different what's the what's the fall off between kevin thibodeau and jermaine johnson between, between um, the two of them. Yeah, so I, I maybe this is where you're alluding to what Andrew was talking about when you guys interviewed him last week because I yeah. know that's his guy. That's his guy through and through. <laughs> um, and I have looked. I have looked at Jer Jermaine Johnson. Um, I looked at uh, maybe four or five game films so far. Um, actually, I mean that's all I actually have. So unless I get more, I won't be able to look at it anymore. But um, I, I I think the drop off is relatively significant oh, wow. um i do I, I do so here's my thought process right i do think that Kayvon thibodeau is the better athlete um and when i say athlete i just mean the explosion looks different right um the technique is a little bit better as well um so when you look at athlete wise and rushing the passer wise um i do think there is a a drop off in explosiveness and that that's not to say he's Jermaine Johnson isn't explosive but comparing the two players um the the biggest difference in the pass rush to me is the explosion and then the uh the technique there is there are plays obviously for Jermaine Johnson that jump out he had a phenomenal year um there were some some points in time when I'm watching the film where I was like all right that is super dominant. That works. I can use that on my football team. And then there were other times where I'm like, hey, he could definitely maybe not waste as much motion in his pass rush as he is trying to get a little bit too fancy here and there, um, you know, where, hey, listen, you're six foot five, 265 pounds. Just get after it right off the snap. The most impressive part, and actually probably where I'll say he's better than Kayvon Thibodeau, is the run game. The run game yes. is Jermaine, the run game is Jermaine Johnson's deal. Um, he can mm. rush the passer. That's for sure. Um, he may not, you know, rush it like I think Kayvon Thibodeau rushes the passer, but in the run game, I mean, he is constantly making plays. I mean, he's always, he's gap sound. Um, he gets in the, in the backfield, he takes on blockers. Um, if there's a, a jet sweep or some kind of outside run, he's going to run it down. Um, and with that guy, there is a zero question, Jermaine Johnson, about his effort level. Um, it is 110 miles per hour every single play. Um, he's always in it. If there's an ab ability to make a second play, he's going to try to make it. Um, and so they are different players to me. I still have Kayvon Thibodeau ranked higher. He's my number one edge in the class. Um, I have Aiden Hutchinson two, and then I've gone back and forth quite a few times with three and four being Jermaine Johnson, um, George Karloftis, those, Karloftis. Th those two guys going three and four. But I do think there is a bit of a drop-off between 
Kayvon and Aiden, and then the rest of that class there. And I think he's a phenomenal player, Jermaine Johnson. But if we're sitting at four and they're both available, you run in the card for, and, and again, all the concerns are, you know, alleviated for, for Kayvon if there are any from the first place, uh, you know, from what we, we kind of, I guess, hear on Twitter. Um, if those are all alleviated, <laughs> um, that fourth pick, I think you run the card in Kayvon Thibodeau and, and there's no real question, um, you know, between, between the two of them there, if they're both available. So, so I, I got one more, Chris. Good, good. Why not linebacker at 10? Lloyd. Um, I, Lloyd, uh, I, I'm not saying no to that. Uh, why not linebacker at 10? There's no reason. Well, I guess I should say there's a reason because there's always a reason, uh, but <laughs> But, it, and Chris kind of prefaced it before, right? Like our, our outlook on the draft is going to change wildly within the next four weeks when free agency comes and goes, right? Mm. Um, and so if we're sitting there at, at, at four um, and we do get the edge rusher, right? Or, you know, whatever it is, let's just call it the edge rusher. Uh, we got the safety um, in free agency, you know, potentially, all right, we're looking at, at a cornerback ad, but maybe they do some depth adding, uh, you know, maybe they sign a guy like Dante Jackson from Carolina to be the one, two with Bryce Hall. And then we got the depth of the young guys. Right. Um, you know, and they really like someone towards the back end where they're like, Hey, we can get, you know, a wide receiver, uh, at 35 or 38, you know, or we can trade back up into the first round and, and be comfortable with a, a, Chris, a Chris Olave or, um, you know, we really like a guy like Sky Moore um, or Christian Watson from, from North Dakota State. Those type of players, we'll, we're willing to bet on us taking them there. And then you look at it and say, all right, well, what's next, right? We, we did the edge, we did the other positions. Can N'Kobe Dean or Devin Lloyd slide right in at 10? They're both worthy of the 10th overall pick. So there's no question in that, in my mind there. Um, N'Kobe Dean is the heat-seeking missile. He can get after the quarterback. Uh, he diagnoses plays. He's wildly intelligent, by the way, not just on the field. Um, he was like a 4.0 um, mechanical engineering student at at Georgia, just wildly impressive of a human being altogether um, to where, you know, he's, he's super bright um, and he knows what he's doing out there. And then Devin Lloyd is a guy um, who uh, he's going to get his hands on football. He's going to be in the passing lanes. Um, he's longer, he's lengthier. He's going to test really well. Um, and so to your question, Charmin, uh, there is a reason not to take, a linebacker at 10, if maybe you potentially did not fill something that is a bigger, bigger need. And that's whether that's wide receiver or, you know, um, uh, you know, a cornerback spot or an edge spot. But if you, if you, if they fill out this roster in free agency and then the draft is take best player available, um, you know, there's an argument there for either Nicobe Dean or Devin Lloyd, whichever one is available. Does real quick, just talking about Dean. Does his size bother you at all or you're okay with, because he seems a little small for a linebacker. He, he is, um, he is a little bit, uh, short. I think he's about six foot. Um, and he doesn't have really the length, I guess, in terms of our arm length is a little bit shorter. Um, but I, I, I looked, I, I watched the film and he takes on, I mean, he takes on blockers, um, you know, it may, obviously here and there, he doesn't make every single play. So here and there, if a bigger, 
you know, Lyman gets to the second level, there'll be an aspect if he doesn't react in time, he could get blocked, but you know, that that's not all that uncommon. Uh, but he, he does enough read, recognize, diagnose, and then heat seeking missile to the football for me to where it's really not too much of a concern on, on my end. I think all of those things trump ultimately uh, his, his, his physical makeup height wise and, and length wise. Yeah, I mean, this is this draft is going to be pretty interesting because uh, I think one of the things that kind of uh, I think a lot of people have alluded to before is that there is not this breakout earth shattering star, mm-hmm. you know, like we like we've seen in the past years. I mean, there's there's I think there's a, 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 a rich depth of of talent across the board i mean especially like you were talking about in the wide receiver it's kind of crazy um i haven't watched everybody but i i did i did watch a few and i just kept saying over and over again okay you know like i was looking (laughs) for like the glaring uh, this guy has to be has something of glaring glaringly wrong about him i'm like no you know like i did not want to like london you know, because so many people on Twitter was like, and I'm like, this guy, he can't run routes. And then I watched him I was like, wait, this dude can actually <laughs> run routes. I was like, you know, I, like, especially for a big guy, what, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and there's the, 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 the small guys that are, they're small, but they're actually pretty physical. And I'm, you know, so so there, there's so much, and to me, the re- you know, I'm I'm saying all this to say this. This is very important for the Jets. This off season has to be the one where we go make it right. Mm-hmm. Inject everything in it. Separate from the the basement dwellers of the NFL, basically. Yeah. <laughs> we, yep. we, that, that, this is what we need, right? And part of that is getting the talent, the 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 the, the separation of talent. It should be, you know, um, we should do that. That this is what Joe Douglas needs to do. And like you said, a Kayvon Thibodeau, he is, you know, by all accounts, another level pass rusher. Uh, uh, uh like you said, a, a Sauce Gardner, another level corner. Um. Yeah. And these guys are what Joe Douglas needs to inject into this team. Are there, when we're talking about, um, we've spoken about like the top 10, the top 20 players, are there any guys lower than that that we're not talking about that you've seen that you, you know, that you think that would fit what the Jets want looking for? Um, and, and give us a little bit of, what you would, what you think would be the Jets at thirty-five and thirty-eight? You think that you know they would be looking, they should look at. Yeah, so um, you know, going to the to the wide receiver aspect. So I think um, you know a, a guy that I feel like isn't getting the love, but I mean, he ultimately may um, is a guy like Chris Olave from Ohio State, right? Garrett Wilson's getting all the love, and then you know, there's Chris Olave who's doing you know, did really great things at Ohio State. Uh, He's a really smooth runner, Um, you know, 
good catcher of the football um, and ultimately a separator, which is what we're kind of looking for here. Um, yeah. And so, you know, a guy like that, does he slip, you know, if we don't get that wide receiver, does he slip to, you know, 35? I doubt it. Um, but 35 for me is a situation where, um, you know, I don't think Joe Douglas can just bank on the fact that he sat put, uh, you know, he stayed put and he got Elijah Moore last year and he fell into his lap. And then he said, you know, they stayed put and they sweated out the whole night. And then Michael Carter was available in the fourth round. Like they're there. I, I think they have that flexibility to where they could say, okay, we're at 35, you know, it's pick 28. Let's jump back in, into the first round. If Chris Olave is there, I'll throw Jamison Williams in that same category. Cause I think he will go mid twenties there. Cause I, in modern medicine, now these guys are coming back from 20 ACLs a lot, uh, you know, a lot faster. Maybe he misses, you know, first couple, you know, moments of the season there. Um, and then really, uh, you know, Christian Watson, I mentioned him before. He's an interesting product. He's 6'4", 210 pounds, that same mold as, as Drake London. Um, and he did a lot of different things at North Dakota State. Uh, they even handed him the ball. Uh, just a couple times here and there. So he has some of that ability. We like, we know Mike LaFleur likes to, uh, you know, likes to switch things up. Um, I'll throw some, uh, some other names out there in terms of um, the cornerback spot for me. Um, you know, there's a guy in the later rounds, his name is Alante Taylor. He's from Tennessee. Uh, he was in the senior bowl. Uh, he is a physical guy. He is an all football type of guy. Um, I think he would be someone that in the later rounds you can get that he could be a playmaker, a man coverage type of guy, also contribute on special teams. Um, interesting from, uh, you know, that 35 and 38, you know, um, uh, I'll kind of put scenarios around it. Hey, if we don't get that edge rusher and we're sitting at 35 and Boye Mafe from, from Minnesota is there, you know, mm. that's an interest, that's an interesting pick. Um, or Hey, we, we want to add to this in interior defensive line. I know people get, you know, Jeff fans are a little bit like PTSD when it comes to interior <laughs> defensive linemen, because uh, it felt like Mike McHagden just like had this fascination with interior defensive linemen and it never really helped anything. Uh, but hey, if we lose fully this, this offseason, which is a real possibility if they decide to, to allocate resource, resources elsewhere rather than a big contract for him, um, you know, we saw a guy like Perion Winfrey from, from Oklahoma mm. completely dominate the senior bowl. Um, yes, sir. and, uh, and, and there at, you know, he's, he's sitting at 38 and then let's go to tight end. Um, I think even if we signed Dalton shows, that's not the end of the story for the tight end room. Uh, Trey McBride is going to be there in the, in the top half of the second round. I do not envision him going in the first round, but I do think he is the best tight end. Um, you know, a Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State, a lot of untapped potential, uh, never had more than 26 catches in a season or, you know, over 200 yards once. But he was like the fifth option because of the talent level that Ohio State has. He can block, you know, like a you know what. Um, so he would be able to jump in and immediately create an impact in the run game uh, and also is an athlete that could do some things with the ball in his hands, just didn't get a lot of opportunities. So um, you look at those guys, you know, Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina. He's, you know, he's your deep threat at the tight end spot. There's no Kyle Pitts or anything like that. But, um, you know, you look at names like that to where, you know, we're not going to be looking at them at four and 10, but you know, what's the ultimate goal here. And we, we will be able to add some, some really good talent 
uh, towards the back end. It's a, it's a really good depth draft. So uh, those are some names that I kind of really like um, at those positions as well. Do you see us uh, drafting a running back like, like we did with Carter, maybe fourth round, fifth round? Um, I, I, I do. I don't think it would be extremely early. Um, like I saw one mock draft, one of the Jets beat writers did, uh, where they had us picking a running back in the third round. I don't think they're going to do it that early because I do think Michael Carter is one, right? He's, he's the one and he's not going to be just number one. And, and, you know, uh, you know, there's going to be a split in the backfield. That's how the NFL is nowadays. You know, unless you have Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor, you're going to be, or, you know, Najee Harris, those type of guys, you know, you're going to be a split backfield. So we have Michael Carter. So we're not completely dry. I personally, I would, I would like to bring back Tevin Coleman. Mm. Um, I think he created a, a nice piece of juice there. Uh, you know, a, a really physical uh, aspect to his game. Um, I really like he's familiar in the offense. I, you know, not a long-term deal or anything, but just kind of bring him back and, um, you know, a guy in free agency later, later stages of free agency that interests me, you know, Raheem Mostert, um, you know, he's, he's a guy I really enjoy, um, you know, enjoy in terms of the scheme fit and what he could do coming out of injury. So I don't think they, they spend premium assets on the running back position. Uh, but uh, it, it is possible. A guy like Tyler Algier from uh, BYU is a possibility. Um, and so uh, I, I don't think they would spend a premium asset on a running back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, that Algier kid, too, um, Andrew did mention him, say, watching watching uh, Zach Wilson last year kind of caught, caught his eye a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean – with the combination of, with the combination of uh, free agency and and the draft and everything, especially now that uh, supposedly Salah is not going to 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 the combine, and and some Jets fans have their uh, yeah. unmentionables in a twist <laughs> over that. To me, to me, it's like <laughs> you know, it's like it's to me, it's it's like the evolution of things, right? You don't really need to be there when you could have a you could have a you know. A, a conversation with somebody over over Skype or over Zoom or something like that, if you need to, and you trust your scouts to do what they're supposed to. Um, do you, do you have an opinion, or do you what do you think uh, about that move? Yeah, I think it's. I, I I mean, I think the the negatives about it are are kind of blown out of proportion. There, I believe Joe Douglas and the scouting staff is going to be there. That's their that's their job, and then uh, what. Sala and the coaching staff uh, from what I read is going to do is they're going to kind of independently, you know, watch film on certain guys, um, you know, not as a group, but do it independently free agency and the draft. Uh, this way everyone can bring their independent thoughts to the table and not be persuaded by, Oh, well, the rest of the group likes them. So uh, I guess my, my opinion's off. So, uh, you know, I'll just agree with everyone else. You know, no one likes the yes man in these situations, you know, bring all thoughts to the table. So I think it's fine that they're splitting it up that way. It's, it's the combine Joe Douglas will do what he do, what he does. Everyone, you know, the scouts will do what they do. Um, and I think it's really interesting that the, the coaching staff will, will sit down and break down the film of, of the, these guys that they're ultimately going to try to, to put on this roster. So I think ultimately just blown out, blown out of proportion that, um, that, you know, Sal is not going to be at the combine. Well, um, well maybe, toward, I don't know if we're, we're getting off here first, but 
Um, what do you think of our free agents that we have? Any of them that we have to bring back? Any of them you think, ah, there's no way we're bringing back? Well, what are your thoughts on some of them? You don't have to go through all of them. Just, you know, a couple of the top choices, like maybe Morgan Moses. What, what do you think they're going to do there? Yeah, so I, I, I do think they I, – I would like to bring back LDT. Uh, uh, I, his full name is kind of hard. Uh, uh, Duvernay Tardif. Uh, yeah, I would yeah. bring him back. You know, it's it, it's a you know a short term deal, uh, you know, low money um, because he it, our offensive line did improve when he was there, and if you know we can't fill the void some other way, I think he's a, a viable option there. Um, I would bring back Morgan Moses as well. Maybe some team gives him a lot more money than we're willing to, uh, but if it's a favorable deal, I would bring back Morgan Moses as well because you know Becton, um, you know, he's got to stay healthy, and if he can't, then we have that same deal of Fant on the left hand side. Um, and Morgan Moses on the right. And so those two guys I would bring back. Braxton Berrios, of course, would love to have him back. But at that rumored price tag that his agent is throwing out there, no thank you. Um, so <laughs> would love to bring him back, but the price tag needs to be in a favorable range for us, of course. Um, I think the, the number that his agent threw out there was like $9 million annually. That is way too much money. Um, and then uh, – a guy like LaMarcus Joyner, do you bring a guy like him back where he was, you know, not around for the entire year? Um, where it, Actually, not at all. Uh, he didn't play a, a regular season snap, I don't think, or maybe played a couple snaps against Carolina. Um, you know, because ultimately, if you, if you just get the big fish in free agency, you need to supplement with depth as well. Um, and so does he come back on a one-year prove-it type of deal? Um, I'd like to see what he has there. Um, and then... Uh, Who's the one guy's potentially escaping me? Um, I, I, I'm kind of curious about Vinny Curry there. Um, you know, is Vinny Curry a guy who was willing to take that one-year prove-it deal? He had the health issue, which forced him not to be able to play. Um, you know, but guys like that, the veteran guys that can add depth is kind of where I'm looking at our free agency-wise uh, for who who we could bring back. And then, um, you know, I think Braxton Barrios is that probably that uh, that bigger name. Uh, of what we don't really want to hit free agency, but also don't want to overpay for. I I have I have one last question. I actually missed it when we were talking about the linebackers earlier. Yeah. The Jets drafted two players to play linebacker. They were converted safeties. Uh, I, they didn't play that many snaps because of unfortunately suffered injuries. Did you see anything about them that sticks out to you? You think that going forward they would be integral parts of this team or do you think uh they're, they're probably just contributors on this team yeah i think i think they're con i think they're contributors um you know in in situational type of type of type of downs and also special teams uh you know you look at uh jamie and sherwood he obviously he tore his achilles that's a uh uh, a terrible injury to suffer, but he's young. So that's helpful to him. Uh, the thing with him is a little bit lighter for the, the linebacker spot, uh, sometimes late to diagnose and he gets caught up in the run game, kind of difficult to shed, um, you know, the, the, the alignment coming to the second level there. So he kind of gets swallowed up. Um, in that regard, I did like what I saw from him in the preseason, especially on special teams there. I mean, he did make a couple plays, but I, I think those guys are, 
more so contributors to the point where I don't think it's something that you should bank on and say, hey, we have Jamie and Sherwood and Hamza Nazaruddin. Uh, we'll completely ignore the position. Um, you know, you kind of hit it on, on the head there before, Sharman, in terms of this is the year. Um, there's no more sitting and waiting and say, hey, we have more draft picks in 2023. We'll fill it then. Like, we want to be competitive and, and um, you know, and stop being, you know, a four-win team, a three-win team. You know, you know I don't want to just say, oh, hey, we improved to six wins next year. Like, I want to say, <laughs> hey, we, we competed to potentially get in the playoffs or we made the playoffs. Like, you know, the, the Cincinnati Bengals, I'm not saying we're going to go to the Super Bowl next year, but anything is possible if you just try to assemble a talented roster that could potentially put up points and cause turnovers on defense. And uh, you never know what can happen. Um, and so I, I think this year is where, you know, Joe Douglas has to really put the chips in and say, I'm not going to put us in a terrible position financially or draft capital wise, but I'm going to give us a chance personnel wise, talent wise for this team next year. I think that's it, right? Um, because this is, this is watching all these teams in the AFC at every position. They have either a star player or just a budgeting, you know, problems, you know, a problem solver or something like that. And the Jets, we just, we just started getting those, you know, talking about what we have at, at running back, talking about what we have at the corner with Hall, um, you know, very, we have very little. Um, yeah. you know, and that's the sad thing. And that's why this offseason is, to, you know, so important in my opinion, not only where I agree with you with probably going, going for the big fish in free agency, uh, but also in the draft, um, trying to, because we have to close that talent gap. If we, if we are going to do anything moving forward with the AFC, because come on, man, look at who we have to face in the AFC at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, we got to do something, man. Or we're going to, we're going to be the basement jets forever. <laughs> God forbid. I know. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I, I've been saying it. I've been saying, I'd said it during the season. I said, we have to, first I was saying we need to be in the playoffs 2023, but uh, 2022, excuse me. But I said at the very least, the very least, the jets have to be playing significant games in late mm -hmm. December at the very least. If we're not playing significant games in December and we're drafting four again or number five again, something really, really bad happened in this season. So that's 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 how I'm looking at this season. I'm not saying playoffs, but we got to be thinking, you know, we're, we're playing for real late December. We're not playing. A, All right. We're playing out the string, you know, and like we have been for the last few years. So that's that's my opinion with the Jets this year coming up. Yeah, so. man. As always, man, it's it's awesome to have you come on, man, um, and have this conversation. Football, you know how much we love football. We love having digging deep into some of these conversations. Um, we would love to have you back, as always, bro. Um, Absolutely. Whenever you, whenever you're available, um, I think I think it would be pretty good to have you after the after the draft. Uh, yeah. To 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 talk about uh, some of those picks. Um, yep. and I'm pretty excited to see what Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas comes up with, man. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Thank you guys for, for having me on. Thank you for letting me ramble on. Uh, I could talk about this stuff for literally <laughs> ever. Uh, so I appreciate the, uh, the patience and, 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 and the time, 
uh, to let me talk. And I, you know, really enjoy hearing your guys' thoughts. And, um, you know, anytime you want me back on, I'm, I'm always around. So uh, we'll set it up and, uh, you know, we're, we'll reconvene once we uh, have a more talented roster here uh, at the end of the offseason. <laughs> no doubt, right? Hey, l- listen, let everybody know where, where they can catch you and what, what you're up to. So this way they know they can check you out. Yeah, absolutely. So my uh, mainly on Twitter, uh, BSB underscore breakdowns, um, Jets X Factor, writing some articles, just put one out actually on, on uh, Ahmad Sauce Gardner pretty recently, uh, working on that next that next draft prospect, uh, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to break down here. So, um, you know, always taking suggestions on, on, on Twitter and, um, you know, but mainly on Twitter there and, uh, you know, also uh, the Jets X Factor article. So, uh, check it out and always send over suggestions and, um, you know, on players and, and picks that you want to hear, uh, you know, some thoughts on for sure. All right. Sounds again, good. Thank man. you very much, James. Thank you again. Yeah. Thank you guys. Anytime. <laughs> All right, man. Take it easy. We'll talk to you soon. We'll talk to everybody else soon and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Hopefully we'll be talking. We'll be previewing the draft next week. Uh, we'll be bringing on our friend Patrick Trotty again, and he'll be helping us out uh, talking about the draft picks. All right. Talk to you then.